Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. For what God has for you. In John 21, verse 3, the Bible says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Have You gone back to fishing. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's here today, and I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. Father, I pray you'd illuminate your scripture by your spirit, Father. You've given us this word for our betterment, God, and I pray today that we would leave here better than we came in. God, I pray that you would save the lost, encourage the backslider. God, I pray that you would give us hope And teach us what you'd have us to know from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I am going to go through a handful of verses this morning, and I am going to pull out some things that I want you to grab hold of. Look at somebody and say, grab hold of it. I want you to grab hold of the truth of the word of God this morning as we consider this concept that will make sense to you as we move through it. Have you gone back to fishing? Let me go ahead and tell you, the answer is probably yes. And if you've been saved more than three days, the answer is surely yes. All right? Well, let's let's get into it. We're going to start with the first verse because it's a good place to start. This is the last chapter of St. John's Gospel. Now, St. John is a unique individual because he not only was used to write multiple books of the Bible, but he was also the closest human being or the closest man for sure to Jesus Christ while Jesus was in his earthly ministry on this planet. John was on the Lord's hip. John was the one who leaned his head on the Lord's shoulder at the uh, Last Supper. John was the one who was always close to Jesus, and they had a special inner circle relationship, and he has unique insights to offer us. And in the last chapter of the Gospel of John in verse 1, the Bible says, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Now, let me set some context for you. Later, later is after. After what? This is after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. This is after they've seen Jesus already in resurrected form, but we'll get to that in a moment, but I want you to see the last one, two, three, four, the last five words in this verse. This is how it happened. I wonder if you believe in your heart that the words in the Bible tell just what it was and how it happened. So many people have told me, well, you know, the Bible's just a collection of books written by humans. Uh, that's, that's not true at all. 
If you believe that at all, your salvation is unsure because the only way God has given us to know him uh, in these last days is through this book. And if you, can't, if you can't trust what this book says, then you can't trust the God of this book. God, this is not a collection of books written by men. This is a book that God divinely put together, and he inspired men to write down what he told them to write down. But this is how it happened. Does anybody believe when they read the Bible that this is how it happened? This, this, this is big. Don't miss it. Verse 2 says, several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. How many is that? That's two. That's James and John. And two other disciples. Unnamed. No way to know. Speculation only. Probably one of them was Andrew. Who the other one was? Could have been any number of the 11, but we know that seven of the 11 were there. Now, here's the question to you. Why seven? Because God wanted it to. A lot of people get caught up in numbers in the Bible, and there are specific numbers of importance in the Bible. Seven is a number of completeness, and there are some theologians that will tell you that it's seven because that represents all disciples throughout all the earth everywhere. I, that's a stretch. You've got to really reach to try to make it say that. Some people say that seven because seven is a majority of 11. Well, there's no denying the math behind that. This is the bulk of the disciples, but it was seven because it was seven. Amen? All right. In verse 3, the Bible says, Simon Peter, and this is the verse we open with, said, I'm going fishing, period. When he said, I'm going fishing, he used the Greek word, hopago, for going. And, and I wrote this down, and I want to read it verbatim so you hear exactly what that word meant in the original language because the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. That word going means to withdraw oneself to go away, to depart. When he said, I'm going fishing, he said, I'm out. I'm done. I'm leaving. This not working out for me. I'm going back to do what I, what was Peter before he met Jesus? Now, if you study the Gospels, and you have to study um, them all at the same time contextually to get this, or you have to uh, go on the sermon archive and pull up my message, come and see, and find out that the disciples, uh, Peter specifically, was a fisherman. He met Jesus, he, he went away and, and, and followed Jesus for a little bit, went back to fishing, uh, hung out with Jesus a little bit more, went back to fishing again, uh, hung out with Jesus a little bit more, and the Bible says that they, being the fishing disciples, because uh, uh, Peter and his brother and James and his brother we're in a fishing business together. Read the Gospels, you'll figure that out. Uh, and it says they left their nets and went back no more. They left, he left fishing. He, he put fishing in the past so that he could follow Christ. Jesus said you're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for what? For men. So fishing was his past. Fishing.
was his BC. Uh, everybody in this room has a BC. Everybody in this room, e either you're in your you're in your BC right now because you ain't met Christ, so you're still before Christ. Or if you've been saved, you have a life that was before Christ where you did stuff that you don't do anymore. If you say you're saved and you don't have something that you used to do that you don't do anymore, you are untransformed, unredeemed, and unsaved. It's not my opinion. This is the opinion of the Scriptures. The Bible says if, which means maybe so, maybe not, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Peter had become new. Peter's before Christ was fishing. But now here he finds himself. Now remember the mindset of these disciples. They heard Jesus say stuff for about a year and a half that they really didn't understand. They heard him say stuff about how hard it is for people to get into heaven. And then they said stuff like, well, what about us? We've left everything. And so they had this mindset of we've left everything behind. We've forsaken our careers. We've forsaken our family. We've forsaken our culture. We turned our back on our government to follow you. And guess what? Now Jesus was gone. But he wasn't really gone he just wasn't showing up. Listen, don't, don't miss this. He just wasn't showing up the way Peter wanted him to. He just wasn't making Peter feel special about where Jesus was. So here's Peter. Peter has denied Jesus three times. Uh, the, uh, the, the day Jesus got crucified, he denied Jesus three times. He, he shamed himself. He abandoned Jesus, didn't even show up at the cross. Jesus has already shown himself to him in his resurrected body, but even that wasn't enough. Jesus, Peter says, look, I'm going fishing. Look at what the verse says. We'll come too, sheeple. Easily misled, church folk. Here they are, these other six dudes. They're like, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat, and they caught nothing all night long. I want to tell you something. You've got to stop believing that your sin is only hurting you. I've heard it for decades. People say, well, what I do when nobody's watching me is my own business. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. No, you, your stuff has a ripple effect. It hurts you, it hurts those around you, it hurts the church you're supposed to be connected to. And Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, he didn't have to make that declaration. If Elder Jimmy just wanted to go be a crack addict homeless downtown, he could just slide on out. Wave your hands so everybody know who you are when you leave. He could just slide on out. But if... He was a little wounded. If he was a little pity party, if he was a little, I, 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 I've outworked everybody in this church and it ain't working out for me the, the way I want it to. And if I'm going down, I'm taking as many as I can with me. Then he's got to stand up and make an announcement. Didn't work out the way that he said it was going to. Jesus ain't here anymore. He, he ain't taking gold out of, Jesus was paying their taxes by taking money out of fish's mouths. Okay, that's how Peter got his taxes paid. Read the gospel. Jesus was feeding them with nothing. Jesus was doing miracles. It was cool to hang out with Jesus. Now Jesus is gone, 
And Peter's like, man, bump this. This ain't about, this ain't fun at all. I, all, all the work I've done for this and it's going to be like this, I'll just go back to what I'm good at. I'll just go back to what I was doing before I got involved in this whole uh, Jesus thing because this is why Jews don't accept Jesus as the Messiah to this day. The Old Testament prophesied that when God sends Messiah, Messiah would reestablish the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem and would crush the Roman oppressors and that the Jewish people would be on top. So Peter's like, He's dead. He didn't establish no throne. Rome's still oppressing us. We still got taxes to pay. We're still not being represented by this government. This is not, he didn't get it done. He didn't work it out. I'm offended. I quit. So he didn't going to go quietly by himself. No, he could just slide away, but he makes an announcement. It's like, I'm done. How about y'all? I'm going back to where I, I'm going back to my old way of living. Hey, let's go make money. Now think about it. Peter and his brother Andrew had multiple boats. James and his brother John had multiple boats. They owned, according to the gospel and theological accounts, they owned a joint business but had separate ventures as well in fishing. These people were making bank. People didn't own multiple boats back then and have corporate partnerships back then unless they were doing large volume. These were successful fishermen who gave everything they had to follow Jesus. And then when it didn't look like it was going the way they wanted it to, not only did they turn to go back to what they did before Jesus, but they drug some folk with them. You don't need to take nobody downtown, would you? But people love to follow assumed leadership. All leadership is not the right leadership. Jesus was unquestionably the right leader throughout the entire ministry uh, he had with these disciples. But who was the leader now? They all knew John was his boy. They all knew John was the only one that went to the cross, and they all hid like cowards. They all knew Peter, who had stepped up as the leader, had forfeited his leadership by denying Christ and not showing up at the cross. So now they, they don't have an unquestioned leader, but Peter is like, hey, I'm, I'm heading out. I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do. And I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm going to skip ahead of myself real quick because I don't want you to miss this. One second away from your eyes on Christ. Take your, if you take your eyes off Christ for one second, you can go right back to what you used to be before you met Jesus. Did you hear me? One second removed from the, the throne of God, one, one step away from the Lord's grace, and you can go right back. Don't think you can't crawl back in the same hole God drug you out of. God drug these people out of a fishing hole. And as soon as it wasn't going the way they thought it should go, they crawled right back into it. Jesus had already told them to go wait on a mountain. Why are they in a fishing boat? 
because it wasn't working for them. They didn't, well, I think it should be done this way. I don't think it should be done that way. Well, back in our, you know, fortunately, it's not recorded for us because some of these dudes followed John the Baptist. They were his disciples. Read the Gospels. It'll tell you that. Fortunately, we don't get recorded uh, too much of, well, John did it this way, and I think we should do that whole problem of arguing and fussing and being not getting your way uh, was at a boiling point here. So Peter left where he was in Christ to go back to where he was before Christ. And these people, these six other disciples, six of the 11, because Judas is now dead, so there's only 11 of the 12 left. Six, of, uh, six plus Peter, all seven of these uh, of the 11, they go back. And look at the last verse. It says, so they went out in the boat, comma. So they went out in the boat. The boat is not where they're supposed to be. God told, didn't tell them anything about going into boats. God told them to go to a mountain. God didn't tell them anything about going back to fishing. God told them to quit fishing, and from henceforth they would be fishers of men. God, Jesus had ordained all of these men to be apostles as a profession. Now they're going back to their old way because they're not getting their way now. But how profitable was it when they went out in the boat? They caught nothing all night. Professional fishermen fishing in their favorite fishing hole on the lake. They used to run with multiple boats, and they went out at the right time, night fishing, and they caught nothing. Verse 4 says, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. All right, so get this. I want you to find yourself in this historical account. They've been out away from where they're supposed to be, doing other than what they're supposed to do, trying to go back to where they were before they met Jesus. They don't catch anything. Why? Because if you are truly saved, you will never find prosperity back in the world. If you can leave Jesus and go back and find prosperity in the world, then you were never saved to begin with because God keeps a short leash on his own. And they go out all night. They don't catch anything. They're out away from where they're supposed to be. Jesus is there. They've been complaining, Jesus ain't here. He's left us. No, he's there. They just couldn't see who he was because once you start to stray away from God, your spiritual vision gets whacked. And I'm only talking to believers because non-believers don't have spiritual vision. I'm talking to people who have the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to people who are truly born again. But once you start going back to your B.C. life, doing what you did before Christ, slumming where you're not supposed to be slumming, going where you're not supposed to be going, you can't even rightly see things that you used to know for sure. And in verse 5 of John 21, he called out, Fellows? Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Now, I don't believe there's some great spiritual significance behind this question. That is the most common question asked of fishermen across the world. How they biting, what y'all catching, what they hitting on. Any way you want to say it, it's all the same thing. Anybody catching any fish out here? That's just a common question. And they said no. 
Now, here, here's something I want you to think about. You can even answer out loud if you want to. Do you think Jesus already knew the answer to the question? He did. The Bible says he knows all things. So when he said, have you caught any fish, he wasn't trying to figure out the answer. He already knew the answer. He just wanted them to admit they had been unsuccessful in their efforts to run away from him. Now, here's the reality. Here's what happens to saved people. People get saved, they get fired up. Oh, everything's great. Church is great, the pastor's great. The people of God are great. Everybody loves the Lord. The sun is, is brighter. The sky is bluer. The birds sound more glorious. God's on the throne. Everybody's tickled to death. People are praying and reading their Bible. They're giving. Uh, and, and, but then they start getting around uh, carnal people, unsaved people in the church. They stop reading their Bible, and they start sliding back. They start becoming unsuccessful. Next thing you know, they're back doing the stuff they used to do before Christ. They've gone back to their B.C. life. And I want to tell you something. You're not going to catch the right kind of fish in your B.C. life. Jesus wasn't trying to figure out the answer. He wanted them to admit they had failed. They're professional fishermen. These are the biggest time fishermen on the planet in this day. These are the boys that knew how to fish. And some people think fishing is just a matter of, you know, luck or being at the right place at the right time. I challenge you, go out with a real fisherman and watch that real fisherman outcatch you. Always. There, there's a skill to everything. And these people had the skill. He wanted them to admit that all night long, they were unable. Seven of them couldn't catch one fish. <laughs> what is going on? This, this is not their normal haul. But you, you need to get to the point in your life. And if you live long enough, you're going to find out. When you get back in that boat and do things that you did before Christ, when you start drifting away from God, you're not going to have the success that you should have. And if you do, it's going to be short lived they they he wanted them to open their mouth and say no i want to tell you something if you're away from god if you're not as close to god as you used to be all you have to do is open your mouth and say god i've been wrong and i want to come back to you he they had they had to admit they were wrong first they had to admit that they had caught nothing first they had to admit that their efforts were unsuccessful because he wanted them to understand. And he had been teaching them. Remember, just, just a few days prior, he had taught them in John 15, without me, you can do nothing. But they're not putting all these pieces together. And how many people in this room know that the Bible says, without him, we can do nothing, but we still try to do things without him? Mylon Lefevre was a long-haired hippie chasing rock music when he ran away from his parents, joined the army at 17 years old, sat down for 20 minutes, wrote a song, two-word title, ended up the only long-haired hippie written song in the Baptist hymnal is a, is a two-word title titled Without Him. Mylon said it took him less than 20 minutes to write it. It's been recorded by Elvis Presley and over 100 artists since then, and it's one of the best-selling songs of all time of Christian music. Why? Because all Christians should know without him. Turn that off. I thought you were turning that off. Um, without him, we can do nothing. I wonder if you believe that today. 
Do you think that when Peter said, I'm going back to fishing, you think he thought he was going to be able to catch some fish? Of course he did. When you think Peter got his emotions up on his sleeve and said, I'm done with this, I'm departing, I'm withdrawing myself, I'm checking out of here, don't, don't you think he thought he could just slip right back into what he used to do and be okay with it? Let me tell you something. If you can slip right back into what you used to do and be okay with it, there's something wrong going on right there. Verse 6, the Bible says, Then he, Jesus said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Think about the emotional context these people, the, the emotional state of mind these people must have been in. They don't know this is Jesus. This is some land lover. This is some dude with two feet in the sand. They're out on the, on the water. He's telling professional fishermen how to fish. They are so shot out. They're so upset, they're so emotionally unwound that they're just taking advice from any old body at this point. It'd be like you walking into a dentist while he's got his drill in someone's mouth and asking him, are you finished yet? And he's like, no, nah. and you're like, well, go and drill on the other side of their mouth for a little bit, see if they ought to finish you. Listen, you don't typically take advice from non-experts. Jesus, well, they, they knew all the fishermen on that lake. They, 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 they're just, they're desperate. Let me tell you something. If you're truly saved and you get away from the Lord and you, start, you follow somebody out away from the Lord or you lead others out or you go yourself, you're going to get out there in uncertain times with failure. Your thinking is going to get clouded and you're going to become desperate. I'll tell you what desperate people do. They make mistakes. Desperate people make mistakes, and they try to do everything on their own, and they don't take advice from anybody else because they get caught grasping at straws and grabbing at anything, and that is a recipe for failure. They are out of their right mind. They haven't caught anything all night long. They're running from the Lord. This, this apparent stranger tells them to throw your net over on the other side of the boat, and you'll get some. Now, if you understand large net fishing, you understand how silly this command is. It doesn't matter if you drag your net on the right-hand side or the left-hand side. The net drags behind the boat. You don't throw your net out on one side of the boat and push the boat sideways. Boats don't go sideways. You throw it out on the right-hand side, you drag it behind you. Y'all are missing it, so I'm going to keep going. You understand what I'm saying? Silly. Throw it out on the right or the left. But they were so desperate, they're like, hey, everything else we're doing is failing. Let me tell you something. You get away from the Lord. You start following the wrong people, the wrong voices. You don't recognize who Jesus is anymore. You get back in your old hole. You start doing your BC things. You're going to start doing some whack stuff. But Jesus told them to do it, and here's the good news. Even when you're whacked and your mind is shot, if you do what the Lord tells you to do, you'll have good success. So they did what the Lord told them to do, and the Bible says they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Like I said, at this point, they didn't know who he was. They just knew everything they tried hadn't worked. And when you've tried everything you can try, you open up your mind to uncertain voices. 
This was an uncertain voice in their life. This, they didn't recognize this was the Lord. They just started doing some of what anybody would tell them to do. And it's, hey, listen, I, I can promise you this. There are people in this room that if they'd be honest, I'm not asking you to out yourself right now. There are people in this room that used to follow God only. They drifted away from the Lord, and they've been peeking around the horoscopes. Anybody believe I'm telling the truth? They, they, well, I just read it for fun. No, you don't. You read it because you're trying to figure out some mystical way that you can find some prosperity in your life instead of doing what God calls all his children to do. You got to face the music, baby. You do wrong. You know daddy comes home at 515. Guess what? It's coming. You, you, you're going to have to stand up and say you did it, deal with the aftermath, and, and smooth it out from there on. And they are running, and they are making mistakes. But even in, even in their running, when Jesus told them to do something and they did it, they found that it worked. In verse 7, the Bible says, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now, the disciple Jesus loved, that's, that's a... Uh, a phrase that is familiar in, in this gospel, and it's always referring to the same person. Anybody know who that is? John. So John says to Peter, that's the Lord. Now, some commentators say it, it might have been a deja vu kind of moment before because if you remember when the disciples were first getting to know Jesus a couple years prior, uh, a very similar thing happened. But that time when it happened, Jesus told them to cast their net, uh, to go out into the deep and let down their nets, and they'll catch, have a big catch. They caught so much, it started to drag their boat down and sink their boat. Whatever it was that caused John, personally, I believe, because John wasn't as far away from the Lord as the rest of them, even though he was in the boat. Even though he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, um, he, was, he wasn't as far shot out as the rest of them. Please, if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Don't wait till you are the most shot out Christian that ever lived before you repent and get right with God. Don't wait till you're broke as a joke. Don't, don't wait until you're strung out in rehab. Don't wait until you're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. Don't wait until you don't have a job and everybody's turned their back on you. Don't wait until your whole world is upside down and all you can do is look up. Why do you have to get that low to look up? You ought to look up right now. John told Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, See, faith comes by what? He heard something, and it sprung something in him. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, and he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. Now, the fact that he put on his tunic is relevant in that culture, not so much to our culture. Um, he was out there in probably what most theologians say was a loincloth or what we would say underwear. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, a, a lot of us, I, I know me, I used to play in my, in, my, in my grandmama's front yard under the water hose in my underwear. Anybody else? All right. Hey, that just what we, that, that was slip and slide for us. Uh, run, slide on the gravel. It'll wake you up. But he, he put on his tunic because in that custom, you could never stand before your superior in your undergarment. 
So this is Peter recognizing the superiority of Christ. This is Peter moving out of his backslidden state, moving back toward the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. What we need across the world today is people who have left where God told them to be, who, who have strayed from the Lord to get dressed right, to present themselves to the Lord, dive into water, and get back to Jesus. I, I, I want you to know that at this time, Shame had to be heavy on Peter's heart. Peter had denied Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Most of us have done some whack stuff since we've been saved. Anybody say amen? I've met so many pastors, and they're like, well, prior to my salvation, I was not that wonderful of a morally upright figure in the community. And I'm thinking, Everybody I know since they've been saved hasn't been the most wonderful, upright, moral figure in the community. But I never met anybody who went as far with it as Peter. Think about the most whack thing you've done since Christ. In the middle of that, did you stand up and tell people, I don't even know who Jesus is? And then follow that back up with, I promise you I don't know who that is. That was his second denial. His third denial, the Bible said, with cursing. He used profanity and implied a curse on himself. He cussed them all out and said, if I, I, I swear it on blah, blah, if I know that man, let, and he pronounced curse on himself. I don't know any real Christian that's ever taken it to that level. Peter has taken it to a level. He has denied Jesus publicly. He did not show up at the cross. He at this point, if he was if he was an American pastor, they, they would call him unqualified. Well, he has unqualified himself from the ministry. Anybody read the book of Acts and found out that God didn't unqualify Peter from the ministry? All right, so let, let's keep moving in our story. In verse eight. But before we get to that, let me, let, me, let me just finish with Peter's failure by saying this. Even though he had failed and everybody knew it, all the people out there fishing with him knew it. All, all the followers of Jesus knew it. The 120 people in the upper room knew it. Everybody that, that was following Jesus, Jesus' mama knew it. Uh, John knew it. They all knew it. But even in his open failure, he still had a real love for the Lord. And this is why you shouldn't judge people. You only see their action. You don't know how they're feeling on the inside. Well, if they were saved, they'd repent. You don't know how many times they repent daily. You don't know the conviction that they're operating under. Peter was operating under a conviction, but he still had the love for the Lord that caused him to run to, to rush to the Lord, swimming 100 yards to the Lord when others stayed in the boat. In verse 8, it says, The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. Verse 9 says, When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. I got a question for you. So here's the story. You know, they didn't catch anything all night long. Jesus tells them to cast net on the other side. They get this big old haul of fish. Uh, they realize it's Jesus. Peter swims ahead. The rest of them row the boat in to shore. Uh, they show up. And Jesus is sitting there in front of a cooked breakfast. Who cooked the breakfast? Jesus cooked the breakfast. Who, where did Jesus get the fish? 
wherever he wanted to. He always has plenty. He's never short. He never is lacking. He always has more than enough. And he always has exactly what you need. So Jesus cooked his breakfast. Now, here's Peter. I already told you, Peter's denied him. Six of these seven men didn't even show up at the cross, only John. Yet here he is still doing for them what they couldn't do for themselves. Still loving them beyond their sin. Loving them when they couldn't love themselves. Getting fish for them when they couldn't get fish for themselves. And that was their job. That was their craft. That was their skill. Don't ever take lightly all that God does for you. When people come to my office and count and want a counseling session, and they start by saying, nobody loves me in the whole wide world, I tell them, you're offending God when you say that. Now, if you tell me you're not a Christian, you don't believe the Bible, that's okay. We can go a different direction. But if you tell me that you're saved and you believe the Bible and you don't recognize that God loves you, then you take the death of Jesus Christ too lightly. Because God said he showed his love toward us by sending his son to the cross to die for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus is working for the, all seven of these people. Listen, except John did not show up at the cross. They all abandoned Jesus at the last moment of his life and were nowhere to be seen except John. Now, John is the youngest of the group. Young people sometimes, sometimes not, but sometimes can be easily influenced these people these six scoundrels have pulled this one listen jesus if you study the gospels you know jesus performed a verbally binding contractual ceremony on the cross when he told john john behold your mother mother behold your son he adopted that out right there at the cross so here's john he got jesus mama living in his house what's he doing all fishing with these lying deniers don't get caught up with lying deniers. Stay away from lying deniers. Because it doesn't matter how close you are to the Lord, his mama might be living in your house, but you still find yourself out on a boat not knowing who he is until he has to show up and do something in your face. So John is caught up with them. They've all done dirt. Anybody in here ever done dirt? But here Jesus is cooking this meal for them. Helping them do what needs to be done. And in verse 10, he says something that is so incredible. He says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Jesus didn't need their fish. They wouldn't even have had any fish to give them if he, hadn't, if he hadn't given them the fish. But listen, he allowed them to participate in his work. You missed it. He allowed them. Who, who are them? They, they truly love him, but they've been doing dirt. They truly love him, but they let him down at the cross. They truly love him, even though they walked away from him for fear of Roman persecution and didn't show up at the cross because they didn't want to get put in jail. They, they denied him. They abandoned him. They really love him. But even in their state, he allows them to participate in what he's doing. I got good news for you. If you're really saved here, don't matter how much dirt you've been in, how much dirt you got on you, if you really love the Lord and you want to get involved in what God is doing, God will take the fish that you have and he'll put it in his breakfast. Oh, I wish, I wish five people could get that. 
God will take the fish that you have and put it in his breakfast. God will let you get involved with him. The scripture says we are co-laborers with the Lord. You've got something to give, denier. You've got something to give, liar. You've got something to give, coward. You've got something to give, abandoner. You've got something to give on the boat when you should have been on the mountain. You've got something to give out there trying to fish when God delivered you from fishing. You've got something to give out there hanging around people who left the Lord, but you still love God anyhow. You have something to give. The fact that the God of all there is would say, I'll take some of yours and I'll put it on my plate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God wants to take some of what you have. You think it ain't worthy. Their fish wasn't worthy to be mixed with his fish. I don't even believe he got those fish out of that lake. I believe he just made those fish. I believe he created those fish already there. And and their fish wasn't as good as his fish no kind of way. Wave wave it, everybody, John. Where's John John the Baptist? John John found out I was going to cook Sunday night. He knows I can't cook. Nothing in my house but cereal and milk. We go out to eat every meal. He's like, Pastor, you want me to put a backup on there and you want me to bring, bring my, my chili? <laughs> I said, well, that would be kind of hard. I ain't had no solid food in, in you know, that will be three weeks. I ain't had a solid food in my mouth. That chili might run through me uh, like a goose. But I said, no, because his chili would overshine the simplicity of the meal that I'm going to make because he's, he's, he's a great chili maker. I don't want his chili messing with my meal. And honestly, if John was having a party at his house, and I said, hey, John, I I brought over this little soup and a a couple of crackers and some applesauce, Uh, John would be like, I'm okay, I got this. I got all this. I got all this. I don't need you little. You keep your applesauce and all that other cute stuff. I, I got all this. I'd have made some some chili and, and, and some ribs. And I got some collars cooking. Uh, he wouldn't. Have, but here's the thing. Jesus is telling you he wants your fish on his plate. What do you have? The lie of the devil is that you don't have anything. But some of you can listen. Listening, it, look it up. One of the most necessary, needed, and hard-to-find skills in the world today is listening. Some of you can love good. Some of you are good speakers. Some some of you are good singers, musicians. Some of you are good workers. Some of you are just good at being lazy. You can be taught to do stuff. But the fact that he said, bring some of your fish. Could you imagine? I got the image this way. Think about it being Christmas. You come over to the rich man's house, and he's giving gifts out to everybody. And you know, you know what your bank looks like. 
but you thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bring some, some gifts to his, his kids. Well, he's, you know, they're, 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 they're 9, 10, 11 years old. He got them a Lamborghini, a Bentley, and a Maserati just so he could start teaching them how to wash them, right? And even though they can't drive them, you know, he, he's giving them all, you know, $40 million worth of stock options in his different companies, and, and you come in there with, with, a, with a 49-cent yo-yo from Dollar General. Because you're like, man, I loved my yo-yo when I was nine. I ain't going to lie about it. Um, how foolish would you feel trying to give that billionaire son that 49-cent Dollar General yo-yo when he had just opened up $40 million stock certificate from his dad and been given the keys to a Rolls Royce uh, that he wasn't even old enough to drive? You would feel like your gift didn't fit in. I want to tell you something. There's nothing that we have that honestly fits on the Lord's plate. His willingness to accept it is his grace and his love for us. The fact that he would say, I'll take some of your fish. It wasn't just give me some of your fish so y'all will have something to eat. He partook of their fish, and he never changes, so he's still the same. He took what they had to bring, and he used it. And if you'll love him enough to take what you have, he will use it, and he'll partake in it. Verse 11, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't torn. Why 153? Nobody knows. People have added up the numbers in the names of the disciples, contrived it to add up to that score. They've looked for, there's no, there's no real reason why it's 153 other than the fact that it was a number so big it should have torn that net. Okay? So it was a miracle. Say miracle. All right, now I just told you that God wants what you have to give. Undoubtedly, Peter was the strongest physically of all of those seven men there. Peter went by himself and drug the net to the shore. Now, I want to see if anybody can catch this. I pretend like we're in Wednesday night oh, 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 open discussion Bible study. Anybody know why big, strong Peter went and drugged that net while the others just sat there? Maybe. Because he felt bad and he wanted to make up for it. Show off, maybe. Tell you why I think. He wanted to serve them because of what he had done, maybe. Let me tell you what I think. He did it because he could. So you missed it. He did it because he could. We've got people who haul boxes out from the inside to the outside, and, and hey, still got to be hard, but I, I'm guessing it's a, it's a little bit better now than it was in August with, with less heat. Do you know why the men who bring out the young people, the women, the, why the people who bring out the boxes, you know why they bring out the boxes? Because everybody can't, but they can. There's something you can do. Peter had size and strength. And he wasn't just going to sit around anymore not using what he had for the Lord. He didn't row the boat back. The rest of them rowed the boat back and, and got, got the boat to shore. He didn't do that. He rushed off to the Lord. But he had the size and strength enough to go and drag that net back by himself 
and he did what he could do. I wonder, are you willing to do what you can do? In verse 12, the Bible says, Jesus is talking. He says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Let's look at it real quick. He said, now come and have some breakfast. You know what he didn't do? He didn't browbeat them. He didn't pull out 27 scriptures to address their, their lies, their cowardice, their, their abandonment. He didn't pull out 27 scriptures to address how Peter denied him. He didn't rub their faces. He, that's what church people do. Go ahead and get caught on, on, on about a two-week bender. Let the whole world know about it. Go ahead and, 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 and let, let people put it on social media. And then you're like, well, I, I, Pastor, I'd, I'd love to come back to church, but I'm just too embarrassed. Embarrassed of what? You want me to tell you what all them people talking about you've done? Same thing or worse. No, you, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about Jesus rubbing your face in it. That's just what evil people want to do. And if you're one of those people that are like, oh, you, you, you give up drinking again to come back to church? Oh, you're back with your wife now. Oh, oh, I, I, oh you're out of prison now? Jesus don't hit people like that. Jesus is like, look, y'all, huh? Why? Hey, look, here's another question. Let's just let's walk through it. Why did Jesus make them breakfast and not wash their feet? What they been doing all night long? Fishing. They ain't been eating all night long. They've been at work. You've been working manual labor. All night long, guess what you want? You want sleep and one other thing, food. He cooked them breakfast because that's what they needed. When are you going to let the Lord start doing for you what you need? You can't stay out in that water on that boat and wonder why God ain't fixing you. You got to get at his feet. They needed food. They were hungry, and Jesus is a need meter. So he said, now come on, and let's get this breakfast. And none of them dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But if they knew it was the Lord, why was there this question of it being a dare for them to ask him who he was? I told you they weren't seeing straight. They had drifted from God. They got their thinking convoluted. And Jesus' countenance was slightly different in his resurrected body than it was in his natural body. But they still knew it was the Lord. My question to you this morning is, would you know the Lord if he was sitting right in front of you? Or would you have to ask somebody? They knew it was the Lord, even though it didn't look exactly like him to them, but they knew it was him anyhow. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. Wow. Jesus did what? Jesus said over and over in his earthly ministry, I came to serve. He teaches through all his Bible that, that, that real Christians serve others. What are you doing to serve the body of Christ? What are you doing with your gift, your talent, your money to serve the body of Christ? 
Christ. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're not doing something with what you have to make life better for somebody else. Because Jesus was always doing something with what he had to make life better for other people. And here he serves. Man, I'm going to tell you something. That's got to be hard. Could you really just sit there and let the Lord serve you? Or would you be like, I, Lord, go and get off your feet. You know, you've been busy saving the whole world, dying and raising from the dead. That probably took a little out of you. Let me go ahead and catch that, catch that plate for you. Jesus loves us so much. Not only does he prepare the meal, he serves us the meal without condemnation, without I told you so. He told Peter, this night you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, dang, that ain't me. You got me twisted. You got me bent. That's, that's the mother fools. That ain't about to be me. I'll die. I'll die for you. I'm so tired of Christians that'll die for the Lord. We got a room full of people. Their confession will be, I'd die for Jesus. Right now, if they came in and said, all the true Christians stand up, I'm going to kill all the people. I'd die for the Lord, Pastor Scott. Uh, that's easy. Dying don't take long. Will you live for the Lord on Monday? And then again on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, and in three months from now, will you? You got to be willing to go all in for this one who went all in for you. Jesus had already told Peter, "This is what's going to happen." Peter said, "Nope, nope, 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 not me. You're wrong. It's not going to be me. Uh, you'll see." Jesus could have easily said, "Told you." You might be surrounded by people who call themselves Christians that have a told-you-so spirit. But I want to tell you something. God is not waiting to tell you, I told you so. He's just waiting to put his arms around you and serve you. You just got to be willing to get to where he is. Last verse, verse 14 says, This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. In chapter 20, Jesus showed himself, right after he rose from the dead, Jesus showed himself to Mary by herself. But the first time he showed himself to his disciples was in chapter 20, where he showed himself to his disciples, but one of the disciples wasn't there. Anybody remember who that was? Thomas wasn't there. And then just a few verses later, still in chapter 20, Jesus shows himself again alive with Thomas there. This is now the third time the Bible says that Jesus had shown himself to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Now, so here's this, this, this is what this tells me. They walked with him for months and months and months. They saw him do miracles. They saw him feed thousands of people off a handful of food. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him give sight to the blind. They, they, they saw him bleed out and die. They saw him conquer death, hell, and the grave and show himself alive to them with the, with the, hand, the, the scars in his, in his hands and his feet and the hole in his side. They had seen all this stuff, and what did they do? They still walked away from him. They still got disgruntled. And the whole impetus for walking away wasn't lack of faith only, it was, I don't like this turn of events. 
I don't like the way it's working out. And instead of staying and praying and watching and waiting and serving and worshiping and loving and digging in, they did what Christians ever since them have been doing. It's a little hot in the kitchen. I got to get out in the yard. If you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, you got to get out on the porch. And that's what people do. Soon as things aren't going their way. Listen, don't be that believer. Don't be that believer. Think of the breakfast they missed. Because they went away from the Lord. Think of of what they missed. Think think of the opportunities lost every time you say, I'm going to go back. I'm going to just take. And and here's what people say. I never met anybody who told me, Pastor Scott, uh, I just like to step down from serving. Um. Uh, I, I just want to go go out and get in the world, ruin my life, uh, and end up broke and homeless. Never met anybody say that. Here's what they say. I'm just going to take a step back. Do you even hear the, the words that are being said? If someone tells you that they are going to take a step back from serving the Lord, And here's how they always couch it. So I can concentrate on getting me together. Do you realize if everybody who didn't have me together took a step back from ministry, there wouldn't be nobody stepping up to ministry? Get better while serving the Lord. Get better while worshiping the Lord. Get better while giving to God. Get better while being who God called you to be. Missed opportunities. But here he comes. He shows himself and he tells him I'll take your fish we can have a meal God wants to have a meal with you God wants to sit with you not to tell you I told you so not to rub your face in your sin just to share with you how much he loves you and the plan that he has for you so let me ask you this and I'm done are you serving God every day Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you spending time in prayer with God every day? Are you singing songs to God every day to tell Him how much you love Him? Is He your everything? Well, I come to church on Sunday morning. Ain't that enough? Let me explain it to you as plainly as I can. No. God did not let His Son be beaten on a cross so we could sit in padded chairs and say, that's all I'm going to do. He gave his everything for us, and he expects nothing less in return. I think we all go back to fishing at some point. I've done it. I know a couple handful of honest people in the room that say they've done it too. I don't know what your issue was before Christ, but I know you can easily go back to it. Even if it was just not spending daily time with I don't know what you were caught up in before God, but I know that the devil in the world will try to drag you back to that every time it's not working out for you. Every time you don't see things lining up the way you want them to. But I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to step up and dine with the Lord. Step up and partake in what God has for you. Take what you have. What is it that you have? I'm not going to do it. I was going to have, I was going to split the whole room up in, in, in between 
uh, di different giftings and, and different types of people. People get emotional and they make decisions that way. Listen, if you don't know what you have to serve God with, if you don't know what you can offer to the Lord, call the church office. Get on my schedule. Let's talk it out. Let's walk it out. Let's get it together. Let's figure out where you can plug in, where you can get involved. We have got to. We, we just served almost 1,500 people yesterday in food and clothing ministry. And we got empty chairs in here today. We shouldn't be having empty chairs in this room. You, you, you need to go out and start inviting people to come to church. There's a real word in this book that's being spoken from this church that needs to be heard. You need to start inviting people to come to church. You need to start figuring out how you can get more involved. We're transitioning a praise and worship team right now that you're welcome to come and be a part of. We need musicians. We need parking lot attendants. We need people to work with children. We need people to work with youth. We, need, we just need some of everything, and it's available for you to do. Some of y'all's children, Dean was talking to me this week about a parent who wanted their child to do some work around the church. Listen, they can come up here and pick up pine cones in that empty lot. All, all day long. They can walk around and pick up trash and put it in the trash cans all day long. You can get your community service hours. Some of you high school people, y'all not doing your community service hours, you're not going to get into college. Well, you'll get into college, you won't get into university. Because they want to see community service hours. There's so much work that needs to be done. And so many people just sitting back saying, yo, Catch my plate up there when you grab yours. Don't add nothing to the meal. Didn't bring anything. Won't even come and take the plate from the one who made it. Sitting back. Let's stop sitting back, church. Let's stop sitting back. It would blow your mind right now. If I had everybody in this room stand up, whoever preached the gospel message. You'd be like, oh, I didn't know we had so many preachers in this room. It'd blow your mind right now if I had everybody in this room stand up, whoever served on staff in a church. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know we had so many church leaders in this room. It'd blow your mind right now if I had everybody in this room stand up, whoever who served their former church in a capacity they're not serving in this church. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, we got all that talent here. Still in the boat. Still out there trying to catch fish that ain't for you. Jesus got fish for you on the shoreline. Sitting at his feet. Food he made. That he'll let you add some of your stuff too. And I just believe in my saved, sanctified southern imagination. That was the best fish breakfast that anybody ever had. And I invite you to come and dine with the Lord. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for telling us how it happened. Giving us insight to how you treated people then because we know you've never changed and that's how you treat us now. Lord, I pray for every person in this church. God, I pray for the lost, God, that you would save them. I pray for the saved, that you would fill them with a desire to bring what they have and use it for your glory. God, I pray that you would help us reach the lost in this community and help us to encourage the saved people in this community for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.